Good morning, everyone. It's good to have everyone here today. I'm excited that we could be here to worship. Uh, how many of you have some Christmas cookie sludge in your veins right now? Okay. Okay, that's right. We had a few too many Christmas cookies, but we're going to get past that. It's time to get disciplined and exercising and all that stuff, and we can do that after January 1st. But right now, we're here to worship God. We're here to focus on Him. It's a great way for us to end out our year by just coming before Him to worship Him with all of our hearts. Um, a couple of announcements for you. First of all, if you're new to the ministry and you want to know more about it, you're, you received a bulletin, and the bottom of the bulletin is a communication card. We want to encourage you to tear that off, fill it out, and put it in the offering plate a little bit later when the offering is taken so that we have a record of your attendance and we can give you encouragement and we can begin praying for you. We use your name as a prayer guide, part of our prayer guide, because we want to pray for every single person that comes to Mission View. So that's really, really important to us. Um, I also want to let you know, some of you guys were so mesmerized by the beautiful children that came up here to sing last week. You remember the cute kids? Well, I don't know if in the midst of all those cute children, you recognize that there was a, well, he's not really a cute pastor, but you can call him whatever you want, but he was doing a membership video on the screen, and my wife is like, I don't think anybody's hearing the third membership video because everyone's focused on the children. We want you to know all the membership videos are on the website. You can go and view every single one of them. We also want to encourage you that if there's anybody that would like to meet with a leader, you just call the office and we will meet with you, encourage you, answer any questions that you have about membership. Now, some of you last week received a slip of paper that said affirmation of membership. It had some core doctrinal beliefs and things that we hold to in this ministry and a place for you to sign. We will have those available for you after the service as you leave. If you did not sign one and you want to sign one and turn it in, you can get one as you leave. The ushers will have them there, and then you can turn them in at one of the welcome centers. I encourage you to do that today. Turn them in at a welcome center. So those will be available at the end of the service. Also want to let you know that we have eight of our 16 community groups already filled up, but we're excited that there's still eight open, and we our value at Mission View is that we get everybody connected with somebody. Our mission statement is that we want to live in intimacy with God, that we would have community with each other, and as a result of that, we'd find out how we should be of influence in the world. Well, community with one another is a vital, vital part of us carrying out that mission. So I encourage you, if you're not a part of a community group yet, be a part, sign up for one today. Now, I know that uh, we're still a little sluggish from all the Christmas sleeping in and eating and overeating and just having lots of fun with family. So right now, I want you to shake somebody, uh, give them a handshake, not too violently, and let them know that you love them.
Go ahead and have a seat. The things that we do here at Mission View are very intentional. Uh, the song that you just uh, sang uh, is directly from the scriptures. And we try to sing songs that fall into three categories that the scripture gives us guidance in. And that is we are to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're told that in Ephesians. We're told that in Colossians. And that's what we try to do. A psalm is a direct scripture. It's taken right from the scriptures. And it's a great way for us to be familiar and to memorize what the scriptures say. So that's a, a great way to memorize Psalm 91. Uh, a hymn is a, it's a theological song. It's about the character and the attributes of God. And a spiritual song is just how God interacts in our everyday life. And so you'll find that all the psalms, or the songs that we sing fall into one of those categories. But listen to Psalm 91. It says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, sound familiar? Will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snares of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wing you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalk in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. But you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be about, allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. That's God's word. That's what we get to sing. Let's go to a word of prayer to have some time of prayer before we have our offering here in a little bit. But I want to pray specifically for our community uh, for specifically Plain Township, we want to pray for the Plain local schools, and we want to pray that God would do something uh, in that township as well. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do want to pray, Father, for the Plain local schools. We want to pray, Father, that you would do a work in the life of the teachers, the students, the administrators of, of the school system. Lord, they have an incredible job. We pray, Father, that there would be God-fearing people. There would be people that would be believers in Jesus Christ that would be at work in these schools, that they would be salt and light in this community, that they would find it their ministry to love children, to students, and to help them understand not only education, but for them to see an example of a person, a person of integrity. We pray that you would do that kind of work there. We pray, Father, for the nine schools in the district. We pray that the teachers would teach with integrity and they would uh, show compassion and that they would show respect. Lord, we pray, Father, that you would also be with the other first responders, the police and the fire uh, individuals there that are serving and protecting and guiding the community. We pray, Father, that you would do a work there. And we pray for those that are in involved in leadership decisions in the township. Lord, we also want to lift up the chapel in North Canton. Lord, I thank you so much for Jim College. We thank you so much for Ryan Johnson. We thank you for the work that you're doing through their leadership. And we pray, Father, that the chapel would succeed. Because if they succeed, that means more people will come to faith in Christ and would grow in that faith. 
And Lord, we, that's what we want to see. We want to build your kingdom together. And we pray, Father, that you would allow them to have success in the gospel. And Lord, we pray, Father, that you would allow us to continue to keep on our mission, have mission view. I pray, I pray that each person today would be motivated from your word as Brian comes and brings your word here in a few moments. But we pray, Father, that you would use the offerings that are taken right now, not only to meet the needs of the, this ministry, but the, the mission that it, this ministry represents. And for the missionaries that are around the world and the, uh, the people that we are praying that you would continue to allow your spirit to use. People like Ramazan Arkin in, in Turkey, and people like Jen Srail in Cambodia, and many of our missionaries all over the world, the bonds in Pakistan. And Lord, I just, there's so many, but we, we want to lift up this time and ask that you would use the, these gifts to enhance the work that you want to continue to do. We pray that in Christ's name. so much um, for what you did on the cross, God. Thank you for delivering us from the prisons of sin. God, you are so gracious and loving. I pray that our lives would just be filled with enjoying you, Lord, forever and glorifying you in that. Be with us all today, Lord. Help us to be attentive to your word and that it would, um, that it would pierce to, to our hearts. In your name. Well, good morning. <laughs> Thank you. That makes me feel so loved. <laughs> Let's try that again. Good morning. good morning. All right. Hey, if you have your Bible apps or your Bibles, go with me to Psalm uh, 90. Psalm 90. It was the year after college, and Ben, Dan, and I wanted to go visit a couple college friends in New York. And we were broke being a year out of college, and so we were looking to save money the best way we could, but we didn't really want to drive into New York City. And so we decided that we were going to fly into the city to visit our friends. Well, the cheapest flights that we could find left Cleveland at 6 a.m., and so we decided we would spend the night at Ben's uncle, who lived just 10 minutes from the Cleveland airport. That way we wouldn't have to get up at 3 a.m. We could get up at 4.30, be at the airport by 5 and then get on our flight to New York at 6 o'clock. Well, Ben arranged all of this with his uncle, and then Ben arranged, seeing as it was his uncle's house, where everybody would sleep. Turns out that Dan and I got the privilege of sleeping in their basement on a shared pull-out couch mattress that wasn't much bigger than a twin mattress. And so we're lining the thing down the middle with pillows on their end, like, don't you cross this barrier, you don't cross this barrier. And Ben decides he's going to sleep in this oversized couch just as comfortably as he possibly could upstairs in his uncle's living room. And so Dan and I went downstairs when it was time for us to go to bed to get a little bit of sleep before we had to wake up. And it's still a very early time before we would board our plane to fly to New York City. Well, everything went according to plan, and Ben laid down, and all of a sudden, Ben realized he couldn't get any sleep on the overstuffed couch because winding down his uncle's staircase were hundreds of Christmas lights 
intertwined with some beautiful, beautiful greenery that his aunt had put up. And the lights were so bright that they were keeping Ben awake. And Ben being awake for what he said felt like forever went searching for the plug, but he couldn't find the plug because all the other lights were out and all the light being emanated was just from the Christmas lights. And he couldn't follow, he couldn't follow the cord of the Christmas lights because of all the greenery that was also there. And so Ben had a problem. No matter which way he tossed and he turned on the couch, he couldn't fall asleep because of the stupid Christmas lights that his aunt had put up on their banister that would just not go away. And so Ben decided he would solve his problem. In the middle of the night, Ben, after he couldn't find the plug, got up and started ripping out Christmas bulbs. Just completely ripped out the Christmas bulbs out of her Christmas lights until all the lights went off and he could finally then get some sleep. And so he went strand by strand and he just ripped out all these Christmas lights. Now, rather than leave them on a step for his uncle or on the table for his uncle to find, he just left them in his pocket and he never told his uncle what happened. All of a sudden, his uncle, we left our car parked at his uncle's house so we didn't have to pay for parking at the airport because we were a year out of college and we were broke. So his uncle's kind enough to come pick us up. The first question his uncle asked us in the car was not about our trip. The first question his uncle asked us is, hey, Ben, do you know what happened to happen to our Christmas lights that were winding our banister? What happened with those? Ben never told him that he ripped the Christmas lights out. Ben said he tossed and he turned for what felt like forever. You ever been there? You ever been caught in a situation? Maybe it's in the middle of the night and you can't sleep. Maybe it's in a classroom and the teacher is just droning on and on and on and you're staring at the clock and every second tick feels like an hour and you're just praying for the bell to ring but the bell feels like it's an eternity away. Or maybe you felt that way before at work where no matter what you're accomplishing it just seems like the day is not going by and you just desperately want the day to wind up. It feels like it's taking forever and it feels like you're stuck in slow motion. Or maybe you feel this way when you're at your in-laws for Christmas dinner. Don't raise your hand on that one, all right? Now, personally, I had an outstanding time at my in-laws for Christmas dinner. It was glorious. So I, of course, would not be talking about me. That's my personal disclaimer. But perhaps some of you have felt that way at your in-laws thinking, are we ever going to get out of here? Or maybe you felt the other way. The time just is flying right by. Maybe if you have a kid, you just look at them one day and you're like, where did it go? How, how did we get here? Or maybe you're about to graduate and you realize I have one semester left. And then everything I've known, the town that I grew up in, all of my friends, everything's about to change. And as you look at all of your friends, you just wonder, where did the time go? How did we get here? Or maybe it's just time for you to cycle through a new phone. And as you're getting ready to go up and, and upgrade your phone, you cycle through the pictures that are on your old phone. And you realize how the past couple years have just flown by in an absolute blur. This morning in Psalm, chapter, in, this morning in Psalm 90, what we're going to see is a psalm that's written by Moses. And it's a psalm which theme, which theme is primarily time. Now, time's interesting, and we all understand this, because time is the only thing in this life that you can't get more of. 
Time is the only thing in this life that you cannot get more of. Yesterday's gone. You'll never have an opportunity to relive it. It's over. It's done with. You woke up this morning closer to death than you were last night, and you'll wake up tomorrow closer to death than you were today. That's just the reality of time. That's just the reality that stares us in the face. And we, we do a lot of things with that reality. A lot of times we push it aside because we don't want to think about our mortality. A lot of times we just choose not to think about it. Sometimes we just try to latch on to anything we possibly can to just embrace the moment and embrace the time that we're given because we don't like the fact that it is the only thing that we can't get more of. And this morning in Psalm 90, what we're going to see is how we look at time and how we respond to the time we're giving has a direct impact on our spiritual development. And this is something that Moses understood. And Moses wrote this psalm. Now, as you probably know, Moses knew God on a very intimate, intimate way. Moses was given the privilege of seeing God face to face Now, God put him in a cleft because he couldn't reveal his entire glory to Moses. Deuteronomy tells the story. But God revealed himself to Moses in ways that God hasn't revealed himself to anyone else. Moses was a man of God. And Moses was the man that God chose to lead his Israelites out of Egypt where they were captive in bondage through the wilderness leading them to the promised land. Ultimately, Moses didn't get to enter the promised land, but Moses was the servant that God chose to lead his people out of captivity into the promised land, and they had a very intimate, deep relationship. Moses writes this psalm. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. This is ironic somewhat because the Israelites were captive in Egypt and now they're wandering in the desert when Moses pens this song. And he says, God, you're our dwelling place, you're our refuge. You're our home. He's taking his immediate circumstance where there is no refuge and there is no permanent home, and he's saying, God, you are our security. You are our refuge. You are our home. And the contrast between that and their current circumstances is great. But the contrast between the next part of the theme and their current circumstances is even greater because here Moses contrasts the eternal nature of God with the temporal nature of humanity. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, you had formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You want to know one of the biggest things that separates us from God? It's His eternal nature. Within all of us is a longing. And some greater than others, some have pushed it down and buried it more than others, but within all of us is a longing to make a lasting impact. Now what happens is that longing a lot of times along the way of our lives, it, it just it gets beaten down. 
And so we, in some regards, abandon it because it, it costs a lot. And there's a lot of rejection and a lot of failure along the way. But within every single person, there is a desire to leave something lasting. To leave a legacy. To leave an impact. To change this world. The reason for that, I contend, is because God originally designed us and created us not as temporary, but as eternal. And we have an eternal part of us, and that's our soul. And we're going to see in a little bit why our bodies are not eternal. But God's eternal. He's forever. There is no beginning with God. There is no end. I don't fully understand. God's eternal. We're not. You want to know what separates us from God? Start there. God has been forever and will be forever. I am temporary. That's just the reality. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. Life is temporary. Everyone understands this. You don't, have to be, you don't have to be a spiritual giant. You don't have to have great intimacy with God to understand that life is temporary. Eminem and Rihanna in their song, The Monster, which is huge right now, and you can't go anywhere without hearing it. They, he, he raps this. No, I ain't much of a poet, but I know somebody once told me to seize the moment and don't squander it. Because you never know when it all could be over tomorrow. If Marshall Mathers understands it, I think we're all going to be on the same page, all right? We all understand life is temporary. It's temporary. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. That's Moses' way, nice way of saying, you're going to die, I'm going to die, we're all going to die. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past her as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed in the evening, it fades, and it withers. And here Moses begins the perspective that we all need to understand. See, so much of our lives are built around this idea that I'm important. We don't always come out and say it, because it sounds egotistical. But when we really break down how we conduct ourselves, how we live our lives, so much of how we live our lives are built and centered around the fact that we believe our own hype and we believe that we are important. We get mad when, others people, when other people's goal is not to please us. Now, a lot of us hide it very well. Others don't. And people look at you and say, you need anger management. But a lot of people hide it very well. But within, within us, 
is, is that desire. We all feel like we're a big deal. And here Moses begins the sobering reality. That the world doesn't revolve around us. In many ways, our lives are very insignificant. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. And here we see why we die. It's because we all have a problem. And that problem is sin. We all have a problem, and that problem is sin. And the cost, the price of that problem, is not just broken relationships. The price of that problem is not just self-destruction. The price of that problem is not just rage and malice and hate and bitterness and envy. The price of that problem is we're all going to die. We're all going to wind up six feet deeper in an urn. And the reason is because we all have a problem. And that problem is sin. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. See, even that which we do that we think nobody knows about, that which we think we've gotten away with, God sees it. And God knows. From my experience and from talking with people and, and trying to help people out, all sin is dangerous, don't get me wrong. But the danger is taken to a, an entirely different level when it's secret sin. When sin is done in secret and, and there are no immediate consequences or results and people think that they're getting away with it, it is incredibly dangerous. And the reason why is because it destroys from the inside out. All sin does, but when there's sin that is known, people, people can call you on it, people can help you. When it's a secret sin, it's an internal struggle. And the more it's internal, the more people have a tendency to rely on themselves. And the more they rely on themselves, the less they rely on God and others. And the less they rely on especially God and other people, the more they return back to their secret sin and the more destructive it becomes. And so I am begging you, I am begging you, I am pleading with you, 
today if you're trapped, if you're stuck, if you've been getting away with it and you feel like you're safe and you're okay and, and you're right now being able to maintain everything around you and nothing's really falling apart and your world seems like it's still secure, I'm pleading with you, stop and stop and please let us help you. Before it's too late. This is why accountability is so important. The problem with accountability is it's only as good as the honesty in the relationship. And this is why it is so vitally important that you have somebody in your life that you can just say, here it is. Here's the darkest thought I don't want anybody else to know. Here's the struggle that I'm facing. Let me encourage you, if you don't have that person in your life, you need to find that person in your life. One of the great places to find that person in your life is in a community group. I cannot emphasize enough how important community groups are to be a part of. We are called to be invested in one another's lives. We're called to be a part of one another's lives. We have community groups that meet on almost every single night of the week. Take the time and get involved. That's a great place to find somebody. Make sure the person you find is trustworthy. Make sure the person you find that you're going to share your struggles with is somebody who's willing to, to confront you, to encourage you, to pray with you, to love you, to be patient with you. If somebody approaches you and asks you to help, help hold them accountable for something, do it. Get engaged. Be willing to, to, to ask the tough questions. And be steadfast that that which they share with you, you will take to the grave. Do not violate their trust. Do not share it with anybody else. Keep it. I'm begging you, if you have secret sin in your life, deal with it. Because the longer you wait, the more destructive it will become. And the longer you wait, the more public it will become eventually. Your sin will find you out. And God knows. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days 
that we may get a heart of wisdom. He offers us perspective. I remember in high school and, and largely in college because the college I went to had, had just a relationship immaturity about it, much, much like high school. But, but I remember in, in high school being so, just so concerned when it came to, to, to dating and relationship things. And I look back now and I think, wow, that was really stupid. That was really lame. Like I see these, I see these high school guys now who, who are practically going through everything you would go through to ask a girl to marry you, to ask her to go to homecoming, and then three weeks after homecoming, they're going to break up anyways, but they've spent a small fortune, they've rented the, the sign at the Indians game, or they run out into the field and, and they hold up a sign, we go to homecoming with me, and then they get arrested in the middle of the game. And they go through all of this stuff because it's a really big deal, and I understand it's a really big deal when you're in high school, who's going to go to homecoming with you? It's a really big deal when you go through a breakup. It's a really big deal when you're trying to find a prom date. And I understand understand all that. It's a really big deal when your boyfriend in high school might be texting somebody else and you're freaking out and you're thinking, my world is over. What am I going to do? And so you just run into your room and play the Taylor Swift album on repeat for six hours and you're just screaming out his name and there's rage and then he calls and you're like, hey, how are you? Acting like nothing's wrong because that might give him an advantage. I understand all of that. And I look back now that I'm married and I think, thank God I'm married. Thank God I don't have to play the game anymore. I was never very good at it. But it's over. And I look back now and I just wish somebody would have taken me aside and been like, hey, little buddy, you want to take her to homecoming? Just say, hey. You want to go to homecoming? If that's not good enough for her, you don't need her. If she says no, you don't want to go to the dance with her anyways. And guys, if she breaks up with you a couple weeks before the dance, but still wants to go to the dance with you, no. She should want to be there with you. If she doesn't want to go with you, find somebody else who does. Ladies, same thing for you. If the guy wants to break up with you but still wants you as your security date, forget about it. You can do better than him. I look back now and I see all these things that I never would have seen in high school. Why? Because I'm married. I'm 31 years old. I have more perspective. I understand it's not the end of the world if she rejects your valentine. It's okay. And what Moses is doing here is he's giving us that perspective. To the God-inspired words of his song. He's helping us see that all that we worry about, all that we freak out about, so much of our, of our time and our energy is spent on, on, on so many things in this world that as we, in the scope of eternity, they just don't matter. They just don't matter. So our challenge is to see life as we, who are 30 and beyond, look back and see high school relationships.
we can see how so much of that which we worried about at the time seemed like a really big deal. But it's insignificant. How so much of, of what we just freaked out about constantly didn't matter at all. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So one of my questions for you this morning is this. Are you spending your years the best possible way? Are you spending your years the best possible way? Teach us to number our days. If you want to spend your years in the best possible way, you need to first focus on your weeks. And if you want to spend your weeks in the best possible way, you need to first focus on your days. And if you want to spend your days in the best possible way, you need to first focus on your hours. Let's break this down. Let's get practical on how we can live a life that does really matter. And in a minute, we're going to see what our perspective needs to be. But let's really break this down so we can really and fully look back and we can say, I did what mattered. I lived a life that, that mattered. I spent the years that God gave me in this world the best possible way I could. So don't take the years as a whole. Break it down into weeks, into days, into hours. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. See, the proper approach of our lives, the proper way that we can really make our years matter and our weeks matter and our days matter and our hours matter is to put God first. Verse 16 says, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. And after that, Moses writes, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. God's work first, our work second. See, the commandment, have no other gods before me. We oftentimes think we're, we're pretty good at that. But the reality is we can elevate ourselves into the role of God. I don't know your situation. I don't know your job demands. I don't know... I don't know what you have upon you. I don't know the stress that you're under. I don't know all that you have to face. I don't know how many people you are responsible for feeding. I don't know any of that. But here's what I know from the scriptures, and it's very clear. Here's what our time priorities need to be. God first, our family second, and work third. God first, our family second, and work third. 
How are you doing? See, we're at the time of the year right now where everybody's starting to plan the 10 to 15 pounds they're going to lose, and that's going to clog all the gyms up for the first two weeks of January, and then come about the third week of January, you'll actually be able to get back in on your favorite piece of equipment if you regularly go to the gym. What we're talking about needs to last beyond a New Year's resolution. It needs to go beyond a, a week or two. This needs to be the way that we function our lives. See, my relationship with God is the most important relationship in my life. It's more important than my relationship with Brooke and Ethan. Right under God is my relationship with Brooke. That's more important than my relationship even with my kids. And the temptation, especially as kids get a little bit older, is to elevate the kids above the spouse, and that's wrong. That's not how God designed the family unit to function. God's first. My wife's second. Following my wife is my son. I love my son, but I love my wife more. And my wife is more important in, in, how, I, in how I respond and how I love her than it is my son. That's how God designed the family unit to function. And I love and care about this church. But something you should know because you pay my salary is I love my family more. And I'm not going to apologize for that. And you don't want me to love work more than my family. And I don't want you to love work more than your family. I was talking with, with Jimmy Giles a couple weeks ago. He's a, he's a brilliant guy. And, and we were talking, and, and he introduced me to something that, that I just thought was, was brilliant. I don't know if he came up with it or not, but he gets the credit in my book. And, and he said, you know, Brian, you've heard the 80% of what you do, somebody, somebody else can do about as good or as good as you can. And 20% of what you do is what you really need to focus on. He said, I'm, I'm going to take it and I'm going to break it down even to, to a little bit more of a level. He said, 80% of what you do, somebody else can do. 15% then of what's left of what you do, somebody else could do if you properly train them to do it. And that leaves 5% left that only you can do. And that 5% is what's so important. He said only you can be a husband to Brooke. Only you can be a father to Ethan. Here's the reality. There are a couple things in this life that I'm really good at. And there are some more than I'm adequate at. And my temptation is to try to do that which I'm good at and that which I'm adequate at. And there are some things I just need to let go. Because somebody else can do them as well or better than me. And I just need to get rid of it. Because at the end of the day, that's taking away from the 5% that only I can do. And that, which really matters. So I'm going to encourage you, if time management is something that you struggle with, if keeping your priorities in order is something that you're, you're really struggling with, I'm going to encourage you this right now. 
as, as the new year starts, create for yourself a time budget. Tell your hours where to go. In the same way that you would create a money budget if you're struggling with your finances, so you tell your money where to go instead of your money tells you where it's going, do the same with your time. Set up on your phone or on your laptop, or if you don't have technology and it's, it's just your old school, that's great. Get out a pad and a pen and just mark out time and schedule it if you don't have the balance you need. This isn't some, let's all go be hippies and quit our jobs, all right? But what this is, is within our responsibilities, let's make sure that outside of those, we spend the proper time that we need to spend on the relationships that really matter. God is first and our family second. And if we're shortchanging either God or our family, then something needs to change in the work realm. And you need to have a conversation with your boss. Or you need to first evaluate how you are letting your time be wasted. And if you do that and you can't figure it out, then go talk to your boss. And not hostile, but just go have a conversation and say, I need greater balance. Help me figure this out. And if you work for the type of person that you want to work for, they will give you tools and resources to help you figure it out. And if they don't, then chances are you don't want to work for them anyways. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me in life is I got fired. Okay, I actually got paid to go away. I, not, call it whatever you will. One of the great, it's one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. You know the reason? Because the fear's gone. It's gone. So for some of you, it might be time. Job's not worth it. Your kid's only going to grow up once. You only have one spouse. Focus on what matters. Students, young professionals, I want to challenge you. Hang in there. I know, especially in college, it's frustrating because you're learning all these things and you're seeing all the ways that the world could function better and things could go, go over better. I'm just challenging you. Hang in there. Don't quit. Don't give up. Just, just keep learning. Keep processing. Your time will come. Your opportunity will, will arrive. And when it does, take that which you've learned with humility and go in and just, just charge after it. Those of you who are older, I want to challenge you, don't sit around. Don't just, don't just enjoy retirement. If you're not dead, you're not done. So there's still work to be done. I don't care how old you are. God has a purpose for you. As long as you're still here. So here's our challenge this year. Let's make our hours count. Then our days will count. Then our weeks will count. And then this year will really count. And it starts with a proper perspective of God and His work. And then us and ours. Keep God first. Keep your family second. Keep work after that. God, 
Help us. Help us number our days. Help us understand the temporary nature of this life. God, I I pray I just pray, God, that we would keep you at the central focus. And then, God, I pray that we would have the courage and the resolve to keep our family next. God, help us live lives that matter for you. I pray that you'd accomplish much through us for your glory. And God, I pray that we'd look back a year from now, having done it right. I pray, God, that you'd be honored and glorified with how we spend the moments you've given us here. And I pray that you'd accomplish much through us. In your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, don't go anywhere yet. But uh, this week, we have three people who are going to make a difference with their time to serve God. And they're heading on a trip to Mexico for a couple weeks. And so we just want to pray with them. And Scott and Nikki Mickley and Stephanie Capus are, are heading down to, to Mexico. Come on, come on up here up front. And if, if you want, just come on up. We're going to pray with them. We're not going to belabor this. So if you have a relationship with them, if they're, you're in their community group, or you've discipled them, or they've discipled you, uh, just come on now, because I'm going to pray here in a second. And, um, and then we're going to be dismissed. But we just want to identify these people who are, who are going and really making a difference with their time, who are, who are going and, and going to hopefully reach people with the hope of Jesus Christ. And uh, so we're just going to pray that they would be safe and that God would use them in incredible ways. So I'm just going to whisper a prayer right now for, for them. God, thanks so much for Scott, Nikki, and Stephanie. God, for their willingness to go and to serve you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would begin already to to just work on the hearts and the lives of those that they would encounter. God, that the truth of the hope that we can have as a result of a relationship with you through that which your son Jesus Christ did on our behalf would just permeate their their trip. God, that the believers would be encouraged, that those who are far from you would be drawn unto yourself, that lives in eternity would be changed. God, I pray that you'd empower them. I pray that you'd protect them. And I pray, God, that they would return changed and not the same as they left. God, equip them and do much through them that they can only attribute to you. And your son, Jesus, we name we ask this. Amen. All right, they'll be down here if you want to encourage them. They'll also be in the comments, so we'll see you out there. God bless you guys. We'll see you.